Welcome to The Faith Construct. I'm Amber. And I'm Christine. This is a safe space for people to tell their stories of wrestling with faith. If you're listening as a Christian, we want to encourage you that reconsidering long-held doctrines and traditions does not have to be a dangerous endeavor. We want to model a thoughtful and useful way to have conversations around deconstruction and reconstruction, a way that is not rooted in anxiety or persuasiveness, because we believe God to be patient and loving. If you're listening as someone who is not a Christian, we hope you feel welcome. Our message is that there are many ways to practice this faith, and the way you see churches behaving in the media is not representative of all Christians. If you're curious about Jesus, we hope you'd feel safe to dig deeper. And if you're decidedly not interested in Jesus, we hope you still feel respected and loved here. We don't endorse any one person's conclusions over others on this podcast, nor do we claim there's a single superior Christian tradition to follow. We just know that God loves you and his son Jesus was a humble leader. Our hope is to emulate that love and humility in these conversations. It's episode one. Woohoo! Okay, so y'all are going to hear all about me in the interview. I don't need to give a formal introduction just yet. Uh, before we dive into that, though, we wanted to lay the groundwork for how we plan to structure our episodes. So most weeks you're going to hear us chat about who interviewed the guest, and we're aiming for approximately one hour episodes, sometimes you know, we want to, we want things to flow. Sometimes things will go longer. Sometimes episodes will be shorter. So when there is a shorter interview, we might also make some time at the beginning to like define a term or give commentary on an idea that's coming up a lot. Amber, I thought today it would make sense to create a working definition of deconstruction and reconstruction since that's the premise of our freaking show. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would probably make sense. Um, so we want to start off by saying what deconstruction is not. I think that helps us find a good a good definition. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah, sometimes like that's the key for knowing what you're talking about is what are we not talking about? Yeah, exactly. Um, so deconstruction is not taking a wrecking ball to everything we believe and watching it fall to pieces. Um, and it's also not burning it all down and starting over from nothing. Um, deconstruction is mostly an internal experience. It's this process of like examining your own faith, usually spurred on by a traumatic event, but occasionally it's spurred on by a slow unwinding where you notice discrepancies between the church or a personal experience and the Bible. Um, we talk about trauma from a psychological perspective, a relational perspective, even physical perspective. But when we use the term deconstruction, we're looking at trauma from a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, neither one of us are experts in trauma or have backgrounds in psychology, so we're not here to provide a therapy session or... Hence trauma from a spiritual perspective. <laughs> exactly. Um, we are here to create a safe space for those conversations to happen, um, but if you need professional help, we strongly recommend that you get that. We both do. <laughs> yep. We are big fans of therapy over here. Um, and so typically it's something external in life happens and it sparks an internal evaluation of faith. And so imagine there's this house that is our life and our belief system. Um, so we pause and ask the hard questions about it. Like, what do I believe and why, um, is this belief system something I want to be the foundation for the rest of my life decisions, um, 
we're not. And so when we deconstruct, we take apart all of the structure to get back down to the foundation. And it's a personal process that's different for everyone and doesn't necessarily result in leaving the church, um, which is where reconstruction really comes in. Yeah, I love that. And so when we reconstruct, we are or those of us who choose to reconstruct, because we will interview some folks who decide to deconstruct, and that's kind of the end of the story. Um, but for those of us who reconstruct, we're figuring out what we still want to build our lives on. So we look at things like church culture, biblical teachings, and doctrines through a new, more open-handed lens. So, Yeah, um, and just to say, too, for the people who decide not to reconstruct um, faith, they're in the same way of that we have. It doesn't mean that they are just stagnant forever. Like they're still growing and evolving um, in whatever it is they choose to believe. Mm -hmm. It just may not be Christianity. Um, All right. So let's get into it. Enjoy our first interview with my co-host, Christine Brandt. Okay, we're doing this. So exciting. It's our first podcast episode. Our first interview, at least. We'll see. True, true, true. So, Christine, tell us a little bit about what our podcast listeners should know about you. Okay. Love context. Uh, I am Christine. I'm married to John. We have a little girl named Maribel, and we have another little girl who's coming in March of 2024. We live that fire life. (laughs) My husband is a firefighter. So we live in Oceanside, which is like North San Diego County, and we're California natives, by the way. He works in Los Angeles, and so he's usually able to work out his schedule. So he works like a 72-hour shift every week and then has like anywhere from four to six days off. So our lifestyle's a little different from your average family. I do. I reference solo parenting a lot. Um... And, yeah, we love it here. That's, that's me. Nice. Um, how did you get introduced to Christianity? Okay, so I was raised in a Christian home, a very loving Christian home. Um, and the flavor of Christianity, I would say, was like early 90s structured faith. Heavily influenced by people like um, Chuck Smith and the Calvary Calvary Baptist? No, Calvary, you know, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, who, what church Chuck Smith pastored, but he was like a, a really popular teacher in the, I want to say 60s and 70s okay. that my parents grew up under. And then um, Dr. James Dobson, like I remember listening to him in the car on the way to school with my mom. So that was, like I said, the flavor of Christianity. Um, church every Sunday obedience focused um learning that there's a right and a wrong way to do things and scripture memorization i am really thankful for most of it and i've had to work a long time to deconstruct some of it um and i do want to emphasize like i have a great relationship with my parents to this day and so i think this is going to come up a lot in our podcast that that tension can exist of like being thankful for something that um, has still caused some strife in your life. Yeah. Um, So where did the process of deconstruction start for you? 
So, 2020. <laughs> That's um, surprising. Yeah. Unpopular opinion, but... I've heard a lot of pastors talk about, like, the damage of 2020 to the church and how, like, so many people fell away from the church. And I think that God, because oh, it's like, yeah, if you're thinking about a church as an organization who depends on its members and its members' finances, yeah, 2020 was <laughs> rough. 2020 was rough. Um, but I think God was at work in a really cool way, too. Like, 2020 catalyzed a deconstruction of Christianity that was no longer working for many people. And it brought out a deep sense of honesty. And so for me, that honesty has led me closer to Jesus. Um, in 2020, I experienced two miscarriages. And one, the, the second one was particularly impactful because it was a little bit later. I carried till 13 weeks. Um, and I had a dark night of the soul. There was like literally a dark night <laughs> because I had a lot of insomnia in my grief. And one night I was just up, couldn't sleep, sitting at the kitchen table in the dark, trying to eat my cereal. And I was like, God, do you promise us anything good in this life? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about the promises I learned about in Sunday school growing up, and they all seem to have just eternal implications. Um, but am I guaranteed any sort of ease? Like, could this go on until I die? I don't like this. And that, that was the, the starting point, I guess. Um, so from there, I decided to engage in spiritual direction, um, for a short time. And, and it just was a really refreshing place to like ask my honest questions and to not be judged. Tell us a little bit more about what spiritual direction is. So spiritual direction is either a formal or informal relationship similar to counseling, but it's um, not psychotherapy by any means. You are working with a trained spiritual director. So some people get like a certification in spiritual direction. Some people actually get a degree in spiritual direction and Directors just create a safe space for their directees to ask spiritual questions. Um, obviously, my frame of reference is from a Christian perspective, but I, I think it's possible that it exists for people of all spiritual backgrounds. Yeah, we've talked about it before, so I know a little bit about it, but before we became friends, I had never heard of it being as like a formal thing. I had heard of people seeking counsel or wisdom or direction from like a pastor at a church or mm -hmm. a youth minister or friends or wise counsel, but I didn't realize there was like a formal process for people to do that. It's really cool. Yeah, it is cool. And I and we can link in today's show notes um, the website I used to find my spiritual director cool. because, yeah, it, it, it can be hard to just like start from zero, you know. So spiritual direction was helpful. It just... More than anything, it got me used to asking hard questions. Um, and something my husband has pointed out lately is that I do not often need answers to my hard questions. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm an Enneagram 4 wing 5, if that means anything to you. And so I really, that, the way I see the world is just, if as long as we can ask questions, we don't get stuck in a rigid place. So spiritual direction was that for me. 
Um, okay, so you mentioned your husband saying that, like a recent conversation with your husband of not always needing the answers to questions. Tell me a little bit about where you're at now with your faith. Yeah, so I'd say to the outsider, my faith probably doesn't look very different than it ever did. Like, I still go to an evangelical church most Sundays. I read my Bible. I pray. I engage in Christian community. But what I believe on the inside has significantly shifted in the past three years. So, like I mentioned, spiritual direction helped me work up the courage to ask questions. Um, some of those questions were just a like an investigation of doctrines that never sat right with me, but I didn't feel I was um, entitled to question before. So um, doctrines like church stances on LGBTQ plus folks, um, the doctrine of biblical inerrancy, the doctrine of hell, and specifically um, eternal conscious torment, if you know, you know. <laughs> um, those, those really were the main doctrines, though, that helped me begin to articulate um, why my experience on a Sunday was always so fraught with objections, inner objections. Um, and then one day my friend Amber asked me, how's your relationship with God? I don't know if you remember this, but it was, it was about a year ago. And I was like, I don't know. Does it matter? Like, <laughs> It's so funny. For the people who are listening and who know me, um, know that that's a question I've been asking for like the last 10 years, and it often comes as a surprise, especially when I'm meeting new friends that tell me that they're believers, but it's just something that is so valuable to speak to like the heart of where people are really at in the yeah, moment versus like what you believe. It's definitely overall. a conversation opener. <laughs> for sure. Keep going. Um, so I was like... Yeah, I don't know. I keep going to church. I keep reading my Bible. I keep praying. I'm getting nothing from God. But, like, I was taught that you just keep going. And you were gently, like, I think God cares about <laughs> how you feel. <laughs> about how you feel. And that. and that was, um, that was a really important moment. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, shortly after that conversation, I left our local mega church that we had been attending for a couple of years. Um, and I do want to just take a moment to say, like, I had no uh, personal conflicts or, like, no interpersonal issues at the church. Um, it was completely an internal decision, like, uh, mega churches no longer feel like the right fit for me. Yeah. Um, I started participating in an Anglican church. So the, the way that my husband's schedule works, sometimes we'll go like four, five, six months without having a Sunday off together. And that happened to be this period last, like this time last year. So starting October 2022. And I was like, you know what? I have time to kind of explore something that maybe he wouldn't be as into. Um so I took Maribel and stuck her in the nursery at our local Anglican church, and it was so cool. It was like my soul had a vacation. I just kind of sat in the back and, like, participated, but I was lost, like, as lost as you would be going to a Catholic service for the first time as a Protestant. Um, and I knew probably from the beginning 
of my time there that I wouldn't stay, but it was just a really important season to mark um, the transition from one evangelical church to another, kind of like a refresh for my soul. Um, and then we finally landed at our current church, which I can talk about at a different time. Um, so going back to your original question, like, yeah, from the outside, my faith probably doesn't look that different right now, but there are a lot of subtle differences on the inside, like the way I practice my faith. Um, I no longer view Sunday church as a compulsory obligation. Um, daily fellowship with God it's a lot less formal and more organic. So like sometimes I pick up the Bible. I am technically studying the book of Matthew right now, but it's probably going to take me an entire year. And sometimes I just talk to God while I'm doing the dishes. I pray in conversation and thought it, there's not always a dear God at the beginning and an amen at the end. Um, and if you'll allow me, I believe in Jesus the way I believe in sleep training. <laughs> Tell me more about this. Um, sleep training in our household has been very interesting. Yeah, so yeah, we'll hear about. this is like, this is a hyperbole, right? Like, I obviously believe that the implications of a relationship with Jesus are a lot weightier than the implications of sleep training. But like, in my motherhood journey, sleep training has been so key because I do a lot of solo parenting. And from the beginning, I knew that I needed, I needed to sleep in order to know when I would get a break. Um, from my baby and so we we chose to sleep train at like four months and she's been sleeping through the night um, since then she's now one and a half and anytime I'm talking to a mom who's struggling who seems like she might be open to the conversation sleep training is a controversial topic in motherhood <laughs> it's super controversial and it's it's funny because it doesn't sound like it would be that divisive and so it's not always the time and the place to bring it up to a friend who's just struggling. But yeah. if I'm, if I have the relationship and the trust with someone, I am going to bring it up because I'm going to, I'm going to say something like, Hey, this has worked really well for me. And it's something you might want to consider. Yeah. Um, Jesus has worked really well for me. <laughs> and Obviously, like I said, the eternal implications of relationship with Jesus are are so much weightier than the earthly implications of sleeping through the night. But I just feel a lot less pressure in my relationship with God to be constantly evangelizing. Um, and that has been a huge, a huge change in the past few years. Yeah, I think it's weighty and it's nuanced. Um... And it's okay to have those shifts and perspectives. And it takes um, one of the best analogies that I've heard was a person is essentially like trying to cross a river. So someone who doesn't know God is on one side of the bank. And like, I'm going to share this analogy. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, I'll stop and let you share it. That's funny. Um, yeah, okay. I wonder Let's if see. we are thinking of the same analogy. Mine's a frozen lake. I don't know. Mine's not a frozen lake, but I don't know that it matters. We'll get the there. idea of like stones across oh. and knowing where you are in the stone. No, no. Oh, okay. Different analogies. Cool. Um, so we talked about this a lot in ministry when I worked um, in Portugal for a Christian nonprofit organization that a person's journey to Christ, like they're on one side of the bank, a relationship with Christ or with Jesus is on the other side of the bank. And so 
for them to get from one side to the other, there's like 10 stepping stones, just as an example. Um, and when you meet someone, you never know if you're like number nine and you're the person that gets to like pray with them and be with them in the moment that they decide to have a relationship with God. Or if you're like the first Christian they've ever met. So you're like stepping mm -hmm. stone one or two. And so I think the perspective of like having that pressure alleviated creates space to respect and acknowledge the person wherever they're at and not assume that you're person number nine gonna lead them to Christ and obviously the numbers are just like an example it could take hundreds yeah. of interactions um, but it it takes away that um, kind of like the arrogance of like assuming that you have to have that conversation with them right now in this very moment oh, and allows and for like organic they're gonna conversation look at you to on judgment day and say why didn't you tell me yeah because that was definitely an anxiety yeah. in my life and it, it, it totally depends on the way you process your background, what you were taught, how those things stick and impact you personally as well as the people you're having the conversation with. Yeah. I know personally I've had plenty of conversations at the wrong place, wrong time, and did more harm than good for people in their relationship with Christ. So yeah. there's wisdom in the approach and thinking through yeah, giving space for the moment, letting the moment be what it needs to be. Um, I'm glad you continued because that is not the analogy I was thinking of. That's hilarious. It's <laughs> but, okay. But both water related. You know, that works. <laughs> um, okay, so is this where you want to stay as far as your beliefs? Or is there more to discover question? Oh my gosh, always in process. Like, I'm really happy about my current relationship with Jesus, but there are only a few things... I'm sure of and one of those is that I've probably got some of this dead wrong <laughs> like <laughs> that's awesome I love the honesty I love the the vulnerability there but isn't that where we should strive to be like we don't know for sure and I think when we start we know a few things for sure God yeah. is good um I actually in this process I I was like thinking about the Apostles Creed because at the Anglican Church they recite it every week yeah and so I ended up writing a Things I Still Believe Creed. And um, I can take a picture of it and share it in the show notes if people want to see. But it got me to really evaluate, okay, I believe God, I believe God created the earth. I believe God is good. Um, there's not much else I feel comfortable saying about how the earth was created. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just one example, you know. And so, yeah, I, I'm happy where I am and at the same time um being the role that I play in my family I think that I'm the family member who currently has the most interest and space in um, developing my personal faith and so my husband is a committed Christian church is really important to him my daughter is a toddler with a very small brain so far um and so that puts me in the position of being able to make the most compromises. So sometimes I struggle with church community and I've come to realize it has nothing to do or very little to do with the church we've chosen and more with the fact that there is no perfect church. Um, if I wanted to go to even the ideal church for me, I would have to start it and I don't feel called to start a church right now. Yeah. So. That's an example of somewhere where I'm not 100% content, but have realized that I'm still uh, where I need to be. Yeah. 
I think it's good to recognize there's the both and mm-hmm. um, in that process of wanting to grow and being constantly in process. And I think there's so much value to to realizing that for me, especially, I can't understand God completely. Like I'm never going to know for sure certain things. And so like if I could understand him, he wouldn't be much different than you or me. Like if I could understand all the parts. And so mm-hmm. that is gives hope to me. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give your younger self or what's something you wish you knew when you started this process? I wish I knew that there are a lot of ways to be a Christian. I wish I knew that some of my Catholic friends have really vibrant and honest relationships with Jesus. Um, And I don't know, I wish when I was sitting in Bible classes at Biola, I guess that's part of my background I should have mentioned, (laughs) I went to Biola University. so thankful for my time and education there. More thankful for my time there than my education there, if that makes sense. Fair, fair, fair. I wish when I was sitting in some of my Bible classes there that leaned heavily towards like a Calvinistic scripture is an error. You are a wicked, filthy wretch in need of a savior. Like just a heavy emphasis on the wickedness. Yeah. <laughs> I wish someone had just whispered like, this is one of the many very compelling perspectives on salvation. Um, And I I really strive to be that voice in the lives of others when I detect rigidity of any kind. Like even, even if it's not faith, like I said, I really value being able to ask questions that don't even always need answers because as long as we can ask questions, we're staying out of a place of toxic rigidity. Yeah, awesome. Um, so why did you want to do the podcast with me? I really want to give space for people to tell their honest stories, um, without pressure of getting back to a specific stance in faith. Um, and so just so listeners know, we probably will be interviewing people who have decided to leave the faith or who have decided to take a break from church. And we don't, plan to have any like leading questions um to get them back to a specific spot we just want to hear their stories and that if if you're listening and you feel uncomfortable I invite you to lean into that discomfort because like Amber said it is not always our role to be that last stepping stone in someone's faith journey um so back to the water metaphor I was thinking of (laughs) Tell us about that one. I, I heard it on the Faith Adjacent podcast, and I think even when this person shared it, she was like, I don't remember where I heard this. Like, I can't reference it. So it's, let's just call it like a fable, okay? Because <laughs> it's not something that I'm going to be I able like to link to. But there's this metaphor of swimming through a frozen lake. And so it's not a perfect metaphor. Let's, let's imagine that, like, the person swimming under the ice has some sort of thermal... <laughs> wetsuit. So it's not completely miserable and they're not dying. And like scuba gear, because I don't know how you would survive otherwise. But the person deconstructing faith in this analogy is swimming through a frozen lake under the ice. There are people on one side of the lake saying, come back, like this is dangerous. You're crazy. What are you thinking? Um, dangerous being the key term. Yeah. There are people on the other side saying, Come here, like, I made it, I 
you're gonna love it here. Like this this spot on the shore, not anywhere else. This spot on the shore, and then there are people just walking across the top of the ice and um, just kind of keeping you safe. Like, sure, you got your thermal gear, you got your scuba tank, but I'm just gonna make sure that you like <laughs> don't get stuck in the middle here. Yeah, I want to be that person on top of the ice, um, not dictating where someone lands not pressuring them to return to a place that was unhelpful but just um just with you and so that is really my heart and i will also mention that in my deconstruction journey the most important things have happened like the the most important aha moments have happened outside of church like through conversations through listening to podcasts through reading books and so as I've considered like what I want participation in ministry to look like in this season for me it it was like oh duh I should join my friend Amber <laughs> in this uh, vision that she has yeah a little bit of background just about the podcast is um will be shared more in my interview and with my story but um, very thankful that Christine was like, so I think God wants me to be your co-host. <laughs> very exciting. Yeah. And it was like, we have that relationship where I felt that I could be honest about that. And you were like, okay, sure. Let's do it. Um, okay. Are there any resources you've used and loved along the way? Yes. Um, I mentioned already the faith adjacent podcast, formerly known as the Bible binge. And I'm part of their seminary community, so both the podcast and the seminary community, they have been a godsend. Um, it's kind of become a community of like misfits who are reconstructing their faith. And so... The fine like, community? Like, is this like an it's Instagram? A, it's a Patreon community, okay. so I pay $5 a month to belong to this community. <laughs> I like it. Sometimes $5 is worth it. Less Seriously, than a cup though. of coffee in California. Seriously. And I, I actually really believe in... Um, People getting paid for their time <laughs> in ministry. Fair, and, uh, okay, so conversations with safe people. This is not a linkable resource, but I just want to mention it here. I guess we could link Marco Polo because that's where yes. <laughs> that's like our favorite um, long-form conversation app. And, yeah, honestly, my friend Ambria, who will hopefully be making an appearance on the podcast at some point, Conversations with her have been impactful. Conversations with my sister. Just knowing your safe people and engaging with them. And then books. Um, I have five that I'll mention. I could probably think of more, but I limited myself to five. And we will link all of this in the show notes. Uh, Jesus Feminist by Sarah Bessie. I guess I haven't learned that yet by Shauna Nequist. Torn, Rescuing the Gospel from the Gay versus Christian Debate by Justin Lee, The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr, and recently, All My Knotted Up Life by Beth Moore. So just spending time with these authors and um, considering their new perspectives, I, I give all of these books like my five-star recommendation for what it's worth. <laughs> I like it. Um, you can add a few more in the show notes if you want as special honorable mentions. 
Okay, so we know that these conversations can be really heavy depending on the person's story, where they've been, where they're at now in this process. And so to kind of lighten the mood as you wrap up this podcast and head back into whatever you're doing right now as you listen um, or whatever you have next, we have a few rapid fire questions um, that are a little fun and lighter. Number one, what is giving you life right now? Okay. I, full disclosure, had to pause the recording and think about this. Um, Over-the-counter drugs. I like it. <laughs> like I said, I'm pregnant, and I pregnancy does not agree with my digestive system. Um, so if you are pregnant and happen to be struggling with nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, heartburn, I'm your girl. I got, <laughs> I got a formula for any of it. <laughs> You got all the tips. This is not in any way medical advice, by the way. <laughs> Friendly conversation if you're interested. Message Christine. Um, toy rotations. So I, I'm minimal-ish, I would say, in our house. And I like to only keep out some of my toddler's toys at any given time. So every Monday we try and do a toy rotation. Uh, and it's like brand new toys and keeps her interested and it's, like, more more fun for me to look at our shelves. I was about to say, it's probably as much fun, if not more fun for you, than it is for her at this point. But yeah. I'm glad that you figured that out and yeah. you do it. And then, uh, speaking of my toddler, homemade ketchup. She just learned the sign for ketchup. That's and it fun. is so cute. But specifically, these little squeeze bottles that we bought on Amazon to make it look like ketchup in the restaurant. Um, because she was eating such quantities of ketchup that made me like feel a little bit concerned for her digestive system and so, I was like maybe maybe I should just take a crack at homemade yeah and even just the like thoughtfulness of when she saw it in the jar she was like nope we're not doing this by a spoon but she needed the squeeze bottle it's so funny how toddlers are so particular in knowing what they want and having no ways to communicate it yep um, although now she can ketchup <laughs> nice um, and a little bit of context I guess for people who aren't familiar with that that question it's kind of Christianese in some circles um, but it's just this idea of like what is making your life a little bit better a little bit brighter a little more fun a little more joyful what's making you happy yeah that's kind of what that question means so feel free to ask yourself what's giving you life right now and then do a little bit more of those things second question is what is your favorite beverage at the moment at the moment being the the key. <laughs> yeah. It changes. Sometimes it's an alcoholic beverage, sometimes it's a favorite coffee. Yeah. Oh gosh, a glass of milk. Did I mention the heartburn? <laughs> fair. Fair, fair. Uh it is not it's not what I want my favorite beverage to be, but it has been like a really nice afternoon <laughs> recovery. Recovery function. treat and like I also like the taste of milk. Whole milk. That's me. I like it. Well, thank you for being open and honest. We didn't establish a way to sign off for these podcasts, so that's well. all we have to say. Amber was like, "I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed at your ability to get through your questions that quickly." And I was like, "Well, I'm nothing if not concise." <laughs> and I'm the opposite, so she'll be keeping us on track and making sure these aren't movies for you to listen to. And Amber will be keeping us heartfelt and connected to our feelings. Accurate. Sometimes I wish I could be a little less connected to my feelings, but this is the way God made me, and so I just tried to embrace it. 
Amen. and drag other people along with me. Love you, friend. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us this week on The Faith Construct. We're so glad you're here. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Faith Construct and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at The Faith Construct. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can DM us there. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Hall. That's A-M-B Nicole Hall. And I'm there at Christine the Brandt. Join us again here next week. And until then, keep digging.